All right, it's Chandra again with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast, and today I want to talk about why traditional training or natural horsemanship techniques of trailer loading don't usually work and kind of the mechanics behind them. So I wanted to talk about this just because I see it a lot. I've seen it recently, so it kind of inspired me to talk about it a little bit because definitely trailer loading can be one of those tasks with horses that can be incredibly frustrating Um, usually people wait until like they need to go to a show or they need to go to the vet or, and you know, my experience, you need to evacuate because of a hurricane or whatever. You might have any kind of weather situation where you might need to evacuate. There's always like a situation where when you need to take your horse somewhere, it's like, okay, they're not getting in. And nobody likes that. It's always stressful for you and definitely for the horse. So I just want to talk about some of the aspects behind it, what's going on. And then I've already made a podcast on how to trailer lid your horse using positive reinforcement. And I'll refer to some of those techniques. But if you want like a how-to on how to do it, that's there for you. It's I don't remember which number it is, but it is in there somewhere. <laughs> so you can listen to that if you want to work on that. Um, so first of all, the biggest issue with those negative reinforcement techniques, which are both traditional training, um, natural horsemanship things, really anything where you're using a stick to kind of tap your horse in, or maybe you lunge them around the outside or, um, pulling them in all of those, anything that's using pressure is what I'm going to be talking about, um, about why it doesn't work. So And that could be, pressure could be on the halter usually, or some people like to like use like a, like a lunge line or maybe even like a rope, like a, like a cowboy rope. And they put it around their horses, like hindquarters, like above the hocks and pull them in still pressure. So with all of those techniques, you're using negative reinforcement and negative reinforcement is teaching an animal something to avoid something bad. So if I pull on your halter, the horse will want to come forward so that you don't pull more or you don't then tap them with the stick or you don't chase them or scare them. So it's just an avoidance of something that they, that unpleasant that's going to happen. So that's where your cues come in. That's how it, you end up doing that is like, if I gently press on, pull on the halter, the horse will come forwards to avoid a, a worse pull or a harder pull or a tap or whatever you've been using. And all of those methods that I had just talked about with the lunging or the pulling or the tapping, they all use negative reinforcement. So that is a big important part of this piece is your, the horse is getting some kind of pressure put on them and there's going to be some kind of worry with that pressure. So when you put a lot of pressure on a horse, the horse isn't going to want to go into that area again or avoid the factors that were with that situation. So a human example would be like if something scary happens to you or something stressful happens to you, you can have triggers or you will avoid the things or people around you that happened in that situation. So um, like a good easy example would be like like kids don't want to go to school. So they'll be like, I don't want to go to school because of whatever. And it depends. There's different factors of why you wouldn't want to go to school. In my um, history and experience, it'd be because people are mean to you there. So there's a negative thing going on there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that people are hitting you. It could just be, you know, they're saying mean things to you, whatever it is. Or 
Like my other thing was I was terrified of like the fire alarm. So that was a real negative reinforcer for me. I was always afraid it was going to go off. I was like, I don't even want to go to school because I'm afraid of this one thing. Even though I liked school, I love learning. Like I'm very nerdy, but all of those things were not as salient enough as that fire alarm and that fear of that. So if you look at it to a horse's perspective, even if they, you know, they want to cooperate with you or whatever it might be, when they get so much pressure put on them by or at or near the trailer or in it, they don't want anything to do with it. So it'd be like if you're at work and your boss comes up and it's like, I have a deadline for you. It's at this time. So you kind of already have the deadline. So you have some pressure. Then he comes up to you and he's like, do your work, keep doing your work, keep doing your work. And so then you have those two things. And then maybe you have another boss or a coworker that also starts pressuring you. Or maybe your coworkers like, oh, I need you to help me with this. So you have more pressure on you. And then maybe you have things at home and it's like more pressure. So and then you're like, I don't want to go to work. And you start avoiding those places where the unpleasant things happen, be that school or work. Those are my easy examples for humans, um, but horses definitely have them. They're probably even more specific than humans are because horses will remember like if they're in a pasture and a cougar jumped out of the third tree from the left, they're not going to go back over there again because the cougar lives in the tr- third tree from the left. So they have to know these things in order to survive. And since we are not prey animals, we don't have as much like specific place like remembrance I guess <laughs> that's not the technical term but that's what I'm gonna call it so um that's kind of my example hopefully it makes sense some kind of sense but essentially when you're tapping or pulling or lunging and chasing a horse into the trailer you're making it very unfun to be around the trailer and to be around you and to have the halter on and have and have the stick near them and have the lunge whip near them or the lunge line or whatever. All of those things are being negatively associated with the situation. So, so like those negative examples, what we want to do is switch it to a positive situation. So a good one that I like to use is like, You want to hang out with your grandparents because they go do fun things with you. They give you presents. They give you good food. So like most people are really positively associated with like their grandparents' names or mentions of them or like the smell of their grandparents, where they live, things like that. So places that they enjoy, they're like, oh, I really like this. Or like you'll bake cookies or a certain kind of cookies or a certain scent will remind you of that time. So it's the same thing as the negative. It's just in a positive way. So all learning is emotional and you can attach a negative emotion or a positive emotion to it. So that's kind of the flip side. And that's what we want to do is flip it to something positive. Like my horses, I cannot get them out of the trailer. (laughs) I uh, open the trailer door and I have a horse in the trailer or like my trailer is backed up to my arena. So then I, what I like to do is I just shut the arena and I can work at Liberty and I have two gates, one for my trailer, one for just coming in and out. But Even if the door to the trailer is not open and the gate is shut on the arena, if I have somebody out in the arena, they go and stand by the trailer because they're like, I'd like to go in here, please. So that's really what we want. That's the goal. Um, And I found it easiest to do with positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement really sticks in that horse's brain. Just like even if I had a scent of a cookie your grandma makes, you're gonna be like, oh, I remember when I was five and I had this at my grandma's. That's what you want. You, You want the horse to remember something super positive and I've been working with Castor, one of my Mustangs, on doing the Sir Single. This is a quick example so of positive reinforcement sticking. 
And I, he was a little worried about it and I hadn't worked with it in a couple years really because I've been a little slow to getting them saddle broke. But um, in his original experience with the surf single, it was scary to him. And I'm just kind of stripping it down and rebuilding it. So I've just been counter conditioning it with just the top surf single part and then just the girth part and then those two things together. And I had been gone for about three weeks. I had some business to take care of. And I hadn't gotten to work with the horses so I hadn't done anything with with him in those times. And I went right back to where I left off with him. And now, again, this isn't always the, the case. It, you might have to go back a few steps. But um, I do see this happen a lot with positive reinforcement is I went right back to where I left off three weeks ago. And he was like, okay. And I continued on. Like, I went to go review some stuff and he was just like checking all the boxes. Like, he's good within a couple times, like a couple times asking him to stand there and, and me put it on him. He was like, oh, this is cool. And then I could put the the girth on and, and we are continuing on like we were, where we were three weeks ago. So, um, but anyways, besides that tangent, um, I need to explain a little bit about why positive or negative reinforcement works and then why it doesn't work. So usually what you're going to have happen is a horse that's pretty sensitive. It's not going to work or you're going to have to use like you're going to have to be very, very consistent in putting the pressure on outside the trailer and not on the inside. So the way that these negative reinforcement methods work, every single one of them, is making the outside of the trailer more uncomfortable than the inside. That's how they work. But it can be very, very like touchy. So that's not even a good word for it, but you have to be very good at releasing at the right moment and putting pressure on at the right moment and leaving it on until the right moment. It's very technical. So in order to do it well, you have to be very good at it. And most people are just not, that's fine. That's just the truth. So for example, if I have a horse and I'm asking him to go in the trailer using negative reinforcement, let's just say I'm tapping him on the side with my dressage whip. So I've led my horse up to the trailer. Again, negative reinforcement and pulling on the halter. I get up there. He stops. He doesn't want to get in. I tap him on the side with the dressage whip. He just stands there, doesn't want to get in. I keep tapping. Maybe this horse starts to pull back and runs backwards really fast. So usually what happens in that situation is you can't keep tapping because the horse has pulled back. So now he has learned if I pull back, the tapping stops. So that's what you learn there. So that's why I'm saying it's really tricky for, for you to do things like that. If you have especially a very sensitive horse or one with trailering issues, something like that, because they'll start throwing in these other behaviors and it makes it really hard for you to continue with the pressure. So another example would be a horse rears. So you stop tapping because he rears. He's learned if I rear, you stop doing that and I don't have to do it. So, and that happens with all kinds of avoidance behaviors with the trailer. Running back and rearing are very common, um, like kind of dipping from one side to the other. So if you're asking him to go straight toward the back of the trailer, he dips out right or left. That's really common. Um, I mean, and it could be all kinds of behaviors. It could be kicking. I, I just normally see those three a lot. So um, that's where I'm saying like it has to be really specific and you have to have that finesse to do it right. So um, another thing, part of that is the release. So as soon as the horse is going toward the trailer, like toward the direction you want him to go in, like toward the back of the gate, you have to let go and, and stop with the pressure or the horse is not going to get it and it's just going to get frustrated and then it's going to build to 
blowing up into one of those big avoidance behaviors. So um, that's the mechanics of it. That's how it works. It does work on some horses. Usually those ones are going to be your, you know, your well-bred quarter horse, your chilled out, whatever it is, you know, and they're like, oh, well, I don't really want to be tapped on. So I guess I'll get in there. Ones that don't have a lot of fear in them already, basically. Um, so yes, it will work. But if you have any horse outside of that gentle, chilled horse, it, it might work, but it's going to be messy and it probably won't stick. So, and especially if you're not like a highly skilled trainer in this, you're going to have one of those two issues to where it's very messy and you could get hurt and the horse could get hurt or it just will not stick. And you're either constantly trying to load the horse in the trailer or, you know, you have to practice and it's kind of just, it's a lot of work. The, the, the positive reinforcement is so much easier. It's just not very much work and it's just so much nicer. We don't have to chase and nobody's being dragged and kicked and run over. And so that's my little spiel on that. But that's how essentially how negative reinforcement works. That's what's going on in the horse's mind. Um, and those are usually the types of horses that it does not work on. Okay, so now that we have the basics of how the negative reinforcement works as far as training the horse to trailer load goes. Um, Another important part of this is that your horse will need to generalize this. So especially since there's not a whole lot in them in this exercise using negative reinforcement for them, they're not going to generalize it as quickly. So when you generalize something, let's say like I asked my horse to trailer load in the arena. And he loads up great in the arena. Then I can maybe pull that trailer into my backyard. Then I'll load him up there. And if he loads up great, then I'll maybe move to another safe location that's fenced in. Then if he's good there, then I'll load him up somewhere else. You know, whatever it is. And you want to generalize that when I ask you to go in the trailer, you'll go in the trailer regardless of where you are. Because what I see happen is they'll load them in one certain place, take them somewhere else. It's a completely different location not even on their home property, and the horse will not get in. So that's why it's really important that the horse has to generalize because most of the time, your horse is going to, when it goes in the trailer, it's going to come out somewhere else that it's not been and need to get back on. So that's a really important part of this that a lot of people also forget. So you have to take little baby steps and generalize your horse to getting in the trailer. So if you listen to my other podcast on how to trailer load your horse using positive reinforcement, I would start there. And then once you can get your horse trailer loaded in wherever is safe for you. So if you're at your boarding barn or if you're at your house, wherever you can safely load your trailer or load your horse in the trailer, then I would move it. And I wouldn't move it very far from where its original location was, just maybe a few feet if, if possible. And I would load your horse there and then make sure you can get them on and off a few times before you move it somewhere else. And I would make sure that you do this on a few different days with like different weather or different times of the day. That's another thing I need to talk about is different times of the day. Horses, again, just like that place preference I told you about or place avoidance in the um, example with the cougar that's three trees to the left, that's where he popped out. The horse is going to remember the time of the day that these things happened. And you can notice it a lot. Like you definitely notice it around feeding time because it's not necessarily the time of the day because the horse knows it's like, oh, it's around time to be fed. And then they kind of get a little anxious. But if your horse is always used to being worked in the morning or always in the afternoon and you come out at that other time, they can be like, what is going on? Like they can be a little weird about it, depending on your horse. 
But what I found with um, an OTTB mirror that I used to have is I (laughs) would load her, I think it was in the afternoon. So I was like consistently working her with in the afternoon because it was hot out and it was summertime. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to go in the afternoon. And then when I, I went out another time in the morning, because I think we were going to leave to take her somewhere in the morning and it was, she loaded, but you could definitely tell like she was very hesitant and it was just a different feeling. So it is really important to just in general, when you're doing training or riding, but with trailer loading too, is that you change the time of day. And you you kind of mix that up so that when the horse is asked to load, he's going to do it in all these different locations at any time during the day. Um, and I know at night can be tough. Like, you know, most people aren't doing stuff at night. If you have, like, lights outside, that'd be great. Um, but really, like, if you generalize it and you are loading them up in different places, it's always a great experience for the horse. You're not pushing them over threshold and scaring them. Then you should be okay if you had some kind of emergency at night. But um, that's just another thing is the time of day. So that's something that's important. Um, And then once the horse is loading in those different locations and he's doing great, like he'll do it different times of the day in different locations in in your property, then let's take him somewhere else that's quiet. So preferably like not super far away if you can. Um, I like to do little trailer rides first so that they come back to my house. So after I've loaded him in different locations, then I'm going to take him on like a lap around like my house or if you have like depending on where you live. So just a couple minutes, he's in the trailer, comes right back to his home. And I make sure he's good with that so that when he gets in the trailer, nothing bad happens. He just comes home. It's not a big deal. So that's the next step. And then you're going to want to go take him somewhere nice and quiet. Don't take him to a horse show the first time. Um, There's too much stuff going on. It's just not good. Um, you don't want to scare him. You don't want to like, just like expose him to too much at once. It's just, you want to stay nice and positive. Nothing terrifying is going to happen. You're going to come back. It's going to be fine. That's what our next step is, is he can go somewhere new and then he will come back to his home. So that's an important piece of it too, because previously to this, he'll get on and he'll just go for a ride and come back. So he's kind of building up that confidence, but now he needs to go somewhere new and then come back. So he will come back at some time. So that's also important too. Somewhere close by, somewhere that's nice and chill, like maybe a friend's house or a boarding barn that's quiet during whatever time of the day it's quiet, something like that. Don't go to a horse show, don't go to a trail ride, don't do that. (laughs) So somewhere preferably with fences too, just in case. But that would be my next step and make sure you have that. Um, And just building it up correctly. Don't skip those steps. Make sure you have all of those steps because your horse is just going to be more afraid and then you're going to go backwards in your training. You don't want to go backwards, but again, if you do, it's not the end of the world. Like you can always build it back up. That's why I do so many little steps is because if I accidentally ask too much or my horse gets scared accidentally, I can just go back and he's still solid at this last step that we did. So um, that's something important to think of. Um, I really want to minimize... Um, how the horse is handled around the trailer because a lot of the times that's the scary part. That's where the horses learn this avoidance. Um, and, and what happens with the negative reinforcement is like I said earlier, when you, you have to be really good at it and you have to have that finesse with it. And what happens is sometimes like the horses will learn to pull away or avoid or, 
just when they see the trailer, they won't want to be near it. Um, you want to work really hard to not do those things. If you're just dead set on like, I'm going to use negative reinforcement, you can't have any of these things happen. So that's what's tough about them is, is you have to ask at a low enough um, pressure rate to where they're not going to run backwards or rear, but high enough that they feel uncomfortable enough to get in the trailer or go toward the trailer. So that's the tricky part about that. But you all, so you don't want that scariness. You don't want that over threshold. And you also don't want any bad, um, or scary things to happen in the trailer. So you don't want them rearing up. You don't want them trying to turn around, um, getting cut, anything like that. So those can be difficult things to to do if you're just rushing your horse into the trailer so that's why I definitely advocate for steps no matter what you method you use what if you want to use positive reinforcement negative reinforcement use steps so that you can your horse is solid at one step and he can move on to the other step so um after that little spiel um it's back to um why negative reinforcement training doesn't necessarily work for trailer loading is the horse will find easier ways. If he if he finds an easier way, he will take it. So horses are lazy by nature. They're just, they want to chill. They just want to go graze with their friends. That's all they want to do. Um, so like, and the easier way, like I was talking about earlier, might be let's rear up and run away and then I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to be tapped on. I don't have to be prodded. So some horses, that might be their easier way. Some of those hotter type breeds, that's probably going to be it. It's going to be one of those things. They might rear up. They might pull back, something like that. They might just pull away. Um, but then if you have like a colder type breed, their easier way might be getting in the trailer. But you you also have to know it's, you know, you might have the other kind of horse on the other side. So um, that's what they're going to do. The easiest way out is is what they're going to do. They just want to get rid of that pressure that you're putting on them. So just be aware that it might be one of those behaviors. So, um, and then another thing with these training methods is that you might get very inconsistent behavior. So one day, just like with positive reinforcement, like one day, if I'm just feeding hay to my horse and he's always taking hay and he'll do whatever behaviors I want for hay, one day he might be like, nah, this isn't reinforcing enough. You might have that same thing on the flip side. You might've been just tapping gently to get your horse in or pulling gently to get your horse in. And he's like, no, I don't really want to go in. Maybe he's in a different location. Something's going around on the farm, whatever it might be. He might be like, no, I'm not doing it. So you can get something really inconsistent with negative reinforcement. And it's got to be like in that middle ground again, because if my horse isn't going in for a dressage tap and I'm going to increase it, you also have that increased chance of your horse giving you one of those behaviors where he's rearing, he's running away, he's pulling away, he's doing whatever. So it's that fine line. It's like that right in the middle. And that can be really, really hard for people to learn or even to, to recognize as even happening. Okay. My other thing is you are more likely to get unwanted behaviors inside the trailer. So just because your horse has gotten in to avoid whatever pressure is happening on the outside of the trailer he still is going to be afraid or he wants to get back to his friends or whatever it might be. And he could still give you unwanted behaviors in the trailer. So a lot of time that'll be pawing in the trailer or trying to turn around and get out or runs out backwards or, you know, turns around and runs out. Um, all those things that you don't want, they, they're going to happen a lot more with negative reinforcement. 
I, you, if you're using positive reinforcement, you're getting rid of all those things. You're breaking it down and showing the horse how to get on the trailer, how to get off the trailer in really small steps. And you might be doing that with negative reinforcement too, but this is where you see all those unwanted behaviors and I see them all the time. So just because you got your horse on the trailer doesn't mean that he still thinks it's nice in there. So that's a whole nother thing. When I'm training with positive reinforcement, once he's in there, like that's not even the end of it. Like that's not like once he's in, I'm like, okay, well we still have a long ways to go versus usually with negative reinforcement. They're like, he's in, shut the door. Let's go. Like, no, we're not even close to being done because once I get my horse in, I need to make sure first he's comfortable in there. And that would be with just two feet. I need to make sure he's comfortable halfway in. Then I need to make sure he's comfortable with all four feet. Then I need to make sure he's comfortable in whatever part of the trailer I put him in. I have a three horse slant load. So in the beginning, he's kind of like, I'm not using the slants yet. I'm not using the dividers. He's just in the back. So make sure he's comfortable there. Can he be comfortable in the middle? Can he be comfortable in the front? Can he be comfortable as I leave the trailer and he just stands there? Is he comfortable when I kind of jingle the divider? Is he comfortable when I move the divider? Is he comfortable when I shut the divider? Is he comfortable with the divider shut and I leave? It's like all of these little tiny steps to make sure he's also comfortable inside the trailer. And I feel like I see a lot of training where it's like all we're focused on is getting him in. And not make him being comfortable inside. Once he's in, we're good. Like, and when you keep doing that, your horse isn't going to go in anymore. Because at some point, he's going to be like, nope, this is too scary. Even more so than the pressure you're putting on him outside. And he's just not going to get in. So that's another thing to think about. Is we don't want those unwanted behaviors on the inside either. And what I usually see is like, if you have one of those unwanted behaviors on the inside of the trailer, they're trying to fix it by making the outside even worse. So lunging, chasing, doing a whole bunch of groundwork, smacking them with a whip, pulling them in, yanking them in with a butt rope. They do all this pressure on the outside so that their that hope would be they get inside and they're like, oh gosh, it went away. But you're working with a horse that's afraid and fearful of being trapped and contained in this cave. That's going to be really hard to do and the whole event's just going to be super stressful. Like if I was grabbed and forced into like a van. Like I'm not gonna be like, whoo, man, I'm happy. I'm not being grabbed anymore. No, now I'm terrified because I'm trapped. (laughs) So it's just a lot of pressure. I just, the pressure is the point of why this doesn't work or work consistently is because of that. The horse is learning that this place is not a good place. Pressure happens here. Scary things happen here. And if we would just make it positive, show him there's, it's fine. He can leave. He can earn a a reward if he stays. It just makes everyone's life easier. It keeps everybody safer. So those are kind of my little spiel on why traditional horsemanship or natural horsemanship techniques or anything under the um, umbrella of uh, negative reinforcement doesn't work with trailer loading. So if you want to learn more about trailer loading with positive reinforcement, I do have an episode on that, but that's all I have for today.